got Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I just saw that movie and didn't I didn't think I was going to be as affected by it as I was. So I wanted to get around and talk about it as I talk about all things creative. Mr. Bench's ADD Experience is a podcast that I do. It stands for Art, Design, and Development. And that's what we get into here. And we're always trying to add our experience to the conversation. Figure if I can create a better world, if we can create better environments for ourselves, then we end up creating a better world and we have more fun with what we're doing. So the Spider-Verse is doing big things. Across the Spider-Verse came out last weekend, made big waves. A lot of people didn't expect it to do as well as it has done. But according to the AP, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse opened in U.S. and Canadian theaters with a massive $120.5 million in box office receipts. That more than triples the 2018 debut. And... It's an animated film, so people aren't expecting that much from animated films. But nevertheless, it came through and did its job, which is a definite testament to how a good show, a good movie, a good production can really just cut through a lot of the crap. And regardless of marketing and what people think about animated shows and alternative underground or whatever, you can still make it. And ironically, that kind of flows with the vibe of the film itself. You can still make it. You can still do what you have to do, even though you're unique, you're coming across different, you're making different types of things in this world. You can still go big and not have to be mainstream. So congratulations to Cross the Spider-Verse and the whole team for getting that, making that accomplishment. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through just a little bit of the history, tell you a little bit about what I thought, and go through some basic points. I don't want to tell people a review because... I'm not sure how much reviews are really worth it to people. You can go find a review anywhere. People just basically want to know, is it good or not? And do they kind of agree with the person? So what I want to do is just go over a series of points that I have lined up. And I'm, I'm a video game developer. I've always worked in the creative field, been trying to create games, stories, different character properties. And I think that instead of just telling you what I thought of it from a critic's point of view, I can tell you a little bit about what you'll get out of it, what you might want to see out of it. And my perspective may not be your perspective, but I think I can tell that, no, if you like this type of movie, you'll definitely like this. And it's more of a reflection. So you can see what you get out of it and what you don't. But I'll try that out for the format and see how it goes. And definitely be sure whether you're on YouTube or whether you're on the podcast streams or if you're on AMP, make sure you drop a comment, a like, trying to get support for this. I really do appreciate everybody who's come through before. Bingo ATL, Marissa from the 80s show. Definitely even got a shout out from Nick Cannon over here on AMP. And definitely a shout out to all the Instagram followers who who are listening, who were listening to what I was doing over there. Decided to stop doing the Instagram lives and I'm going to try out this AMP thing. I know a lot of you listen to the podcast after the fact, but if you listen live or even care, let me know. I definitely want to hear about it. And as always, if you need links to any of this stuff, check out mrbenja.com. That's where it's all going to be. So quick history and not much of a history, but a lot of people don't know Miles Morales, the whole character started in this thing called Marvel Ultimates. And Marvel Ultimates was this, this line that wanted to kind of push the boundaries of what Marvel was doing. They wanted to kind of push the different angles, different viewpoints, and breathe a little life into the Marvel Universe because people thought it had gotten stagnant at the time. So every so often, comic books 
comic book studios try to do different things to spice up the entire line, shake it up, maybe do some reboots, some subversions, some alternate takes on characters. And somehow out of that whole group, Miles Morales, a half, half black, half Hispanic, Spider-Man comes along. And it was kind of interesting. People thought it was interesting on its own. Like, okay, now we have a black Spider-Man. Is this just a, is this just a pandering? Is it trying to be woke? We weren't saying woke like that back when Miles Morales came out, but people were trying to wonder what it was about. And it quickly became a fan favorite and you could, and it wasn't just quote unquote black Spider-Man. This character had a story of his own. It followed in the same line of Spider-Man, but it wasn't just a knockoff. It wasn't just a reboot. It wasn't a science fair project. It was actually a well-developed character. And he got a lot of love for it without being trapped necessarily in the original Peter Parker Spider-Man shadow. So I think it worked on a lot of levels. It worked to give you a perspective on Spider-Man for the new generation by still maintaining that same personality, that same vibe, that same flow. And it also managed to do something really new and interesting without being pandering, without falling into easy tropes or anything like that. So what did I think of this? In general, before I get to all the points that I'm going to go through, in general, my first answer has been that it was a beautiful film. It was just beautiful. And I mean that in an artistic sense where you go into it, the audio hits you, the symbolism hits you, the style hits you, the graphics hit you, the visuals, the animation style, the score, the intensity, the colors. It all comes at you at this in this one package that very quickly just lets you know this isn't like something you've seen before. And even if you've seen the first Spider-Verse movie, Into the Spider-Verse, the second part of this trilogy, I'm going to go ahead and call it that, the second part of this trilogy really takes it to another level. It totally gets in there and starts showing you different visual styles, different ways of animating, different painterly styles. Characters are done differently. And I think this one was even more, I'll say, smooth in the way that it came across. And I don't mean smooth in terms of choppy versus smooth animation. I mean, when it was presented as a, as a visual, as a movie, you got to see this thing as a proper force where you look at it and you're thinking to yourself, this is something new, unique, and it works. It wasn't trying to be anything. It was just that thing. It wasn't looking to become something. It just was that thing. And whatever you want to call across the Spider-Verse, when you saw it, you're like, oh, this is that thing and it knows what it's doing. I think the first one was a little more experimental, obviously, but this one was definitely in its groove and it did it very well. And definitely a shout out to the whole Da Vinci vulture that came in. I mean, and you know what? Let's just jump into it right there. In the beginning, there's this Da Vinci vulture. And if you think about what vultures are coming, picking off the dead and they represent old and deceased. You've got this older character who's coming from the classic Spider-Man stories and this older character in a Da Vinci style, which is like the old art style of Leonardo Da Vinci. 
and it just it 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 mattered. This is where we start getting into meta discussions and art and meaning and symbolism. The connections they're making with the real world, this art product of a movie, th this film. I'm going to start calling it a film instead of just a movie. The whole vibe of it really made you think that, yes, these people know what they're doing and you can take a lot from it. And whether it's good or bad, you're going to, you should be able to take something away from this movie and all the different aspects of it. And it's funny, I was talking to a friend who was really into Spider-Man and the friend didn't like the film. They said it was too much and too weird. So that's an interesting point that I didn't think I would hear from a Spider-Man fan. But when I stopped and looked at it, I realized that not everybody's into trying to do things differently or trying to give a different vibe. But that's what this was. That, that's what this was. It was very different. Got a lot of different looks into it. The, the vulture representing the old school vibe. Uh, you got to. It was basically attacking the old right off the bat. Get, got to get rid of it, put it in its place because there are new, we have new enemies and new problems that we're dealing with right now. And when I saw the way that they were bouncing around with all the symbolism and all these characters, I was immediately impressed within the first couple instances. And surprisingly, it didn't take me out of the film when I saw Vulture being represented in the Da Vinci style. A lot of times when they start throwing in Easter eggs and meta references and artistic inferences into the movie, you, you start kind of thinking outside the movie and it takes you out of the experience. But they did it so skillfully that it just really worked. And shout out to uh, Zober, Zoburn Woods. Yeesh, I know I messed that name up. Sorry about that. I'm going to follow back, by the way, too. Thanks for coming through. But yeah, there, there was so much going on into this in this movie that I really just thought like my overall thought, my overall perception was the word beautiful. And I don't know how to go. I, I can go any different direction with this, but beautiful was the way it, way it came out to me. So I'm going to jump into my points right now. And before there were, let me see, I have 11 different points that I want to go through. And let me just start with the genre. First of all, this is definitely clearly a superhero movie, superhero film. You got your classic character, and I talked about this on another podcast of mine of what, what makes a superhero film. You know, you got your classic superhero, your villain, his origin story. And one of the difficulties in superhero movies is how do you go past the origin story and keep telling a good tale? Well, all characters, all superheroes in comics and superhero stories, they have to reinvent themselves. They're always starting from zero in a sense because they've got a new challenge to face, a new way of looking at something, a new wrinkle in their, in their saga, their personal saga. And it always keeps, it needs to keep being revisited. And every time you revisit that saga, you're kind of starting from zero saying, wow, I have something that is bothering me, something that's oppressing me, showing me trouble, something that I need to overcome and I need to figure it out and get to the end of this episode and solve my problem. That's kind of classic for storytelling. So there's something that drives them. There's a flaw within the character. They overcome it and move on to the next episode. And you kind of need to keep retelling that story. I think in a lot of sequels, we get to a point where we really don't, we really don't get to a place where we can comfortably keep telling a story. And they start just throwing in characters. Classic problem that this happened in was 
the Batman and Robin movie from way back in the day. It's like, well, Batman was great. Why don't we throw Robin in there? Oh, Robin was great. Why don't we throw Batgirl in there? Oh, you had one, one enemy. Why didn't it have two? And it just kept on becoming more and more stuff. And it pulled away from telling a good story well. And you need to do that with superhero stories. You need to tell that classic superhero story well. Can you go off into other directions and start trying to tell mysteries? Can you start trying to tell horror stories? Sure, you can. But at some point, if you're telling a horror story, you're starting to pull away from what a superhero story is. And I don't mean that in just terms of spandex and costumes. I mean that in terms of the story structure and the way everything flows. So thanks, Sue. So yeah, the way the story flows and the pieces to it make it a superhero movie. And if you want superheroes, obviously this movie's got a ton of them. Main, namely, one, Spider-Man. They're all the Spider-People. Spider-Women, Spider-Kids, Spider-Cat Spider was even in there. I was, I was impressed to see that. Didn't get much Peter Porker, but we figure he's around somewhere. And uh, if they definitely... If they don't... If they don't pay off... And once again, we're in spoiler territory here. Once again... If they don't pay off Lego Spider-Man, I'm going to be I'm going to be a little pissed because they mentioned Lego Spider-Man and said he was one of the good ones. I got to chuckle out of it without being, as I said, taken out of the movie too much. I got to chuckle out of that and had to say, oh, my gosh, if they don't do if they don't do something with this Lego Spider-Man in the next film, I'll be I'll be upset. In fact, I want one of the heroes or one of the bad guys running around and legos being on the floor and they have a problem running over the legos they'll step in auto tripping can't run right and getting lego jammed in the bottom of your foot that's what i want to see if something happens like that i will pay money to watch the movie again maybe give the ticket to some other kid who hadn't seen it at all whatever i'm there for it zuburn woods tells me lord and chris produced the lego movie with chris pratt yeah so so but how does how does that connect exactly Lord and Chris. Well, did Lord and Chris have something to do with the Spider-Verse? I haven't looked into too much of the, the cast and the crew and people who set up the movie and did everything within the Spider-Verse, so I need to know how they connect. Maybe the, this, this thing had a ton of Easter eggs in it, so I know I didn't, see a, I didn't see everything, and there was so much going by. Little... They, they used the old-school comic blurbs. I forgot what those are called. Where they have the description boxes. They used those to great effect. And Every time I saw one of those, it's like, yeah, this is Spider-Man from this. This is Spider-Man from that. This is Spider-Woman. So every time I saw one of those little comic blurbs, I was like, man, this is good stuff. This is something I need to catch, need to watch again. I know people with the eagle eyes are going to be in there taking down notes. Man, and when this hits streaming, of course, it's going to get dissected even more. So I'm definitely waiting to hear all that. And I thought about going into all of the Easter egg videos and easter egg articles before i did this review but i didn't want that to to kind of spoil what i'm saying here so i just want to come in and discuss it clean as as seeing it without taking down a bunch of notes and trying to get very technical i don't know if any of you have followed me before but if you've heard me talk about easter egg television and easter egg movies i have a problem with that so i'm glad that this movie really didn't fall for the trap of building a movie off of easter eggs but using Easter eggs and inside jokes and things like that as a way to accent the movie in an artistic way that I don't know that I've ever seen before. Uh, this movie did the meta discussion 
did the post-meta discussion and the superhero discussion. They did all these different discussions very well. So it all worked. If you have any Easter eggs, go ahead and throw them in the comments and let me know what you might have seen and you might have picked up on. And we'll, we'll probably discuss it here. All right, so let me just put a note in here. Spoilers on for Cross the Spider-Verse. In case you didn't know, I don't want anybody jumping in the chat and getting mad that I said something. I don't know how much you can spoil in this movie. I mean, it's kind of a straightforward movie, which makes it all the more remarkable. I guess you can spoil some things toward the end. But, uh, but one thing I have been spoiling for people, I've been telling people that this is a two-part movie. Because a lot of people seem to not know that this is a two-part movie, and they go into it, and it hits the end. Well, I was in the theater, and I heard audible, like, oh, what? Oh, and there was a little bit of disappointment there at the very end when it said to be continued. And I didn't, I honestly didn't think it was fair to some of the people. So I would have said, you know what? This is a two-part movie. You're going to have the other version next year. They kind of started to tell people a little later on in the marketing process, but I would have, I would have led with that. And I don't know, maybe, maybe for some reason they didn't know that they were going to make it to both parts before they started the marketing push. But I think it's better going in to know that you're dealing with a part one and a part two. So I don't know. You can let me know your thoughts about that. Shout out to Zoo, by the way. Donald Glover and Andrew Garfield cameos are pretty dope. Yeah. And as I said, once again, all those cameos were well done. They, they, they jumped in. They kind of did their thing. And you know what? People were making the comparison between this movie and Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. I did a review with my other podcast, Show Versus Business, for the Multiverse of Madness, and uh, and the thing that I thing that I brought away from that was, well, it wasn't a lot of Doctor Strange. It wasn't like too much Doctor Strange. It was Doctor Strange and Spider Man. It was kind of this, like an old team up comic book, right? There wasn't much multiverse in it, and it wasn't that mad. It was just kind of mid. There was, it wasn't that crazy in terms of how they were jumping around. So calling it the multiverse of madness, I was, I came away from that like, sure, good film. I liked it. But when you call yourself Dr. Strange in the multiverse of madness, you expect to see a lot more multiverse and a lot more madness. And Zoo says, Beyond the Spider-Verse may definitely be more live action based. Yeah, that would be a definite, a definite, a definite way to go, pulling a lot more of the live action into the animated series the this whole thing kind of started out as an experiment and seeing how big it's gotten and how how well constructed it is that's pretty amazing now they could pull a meta move with going into the beyond the spider-verse and after that and this is this is speculation by me i, I don't have any clue what they're going to do going into the next one if they could find a way to swing miles morales into live action from the strength of these three movies, that would be pretty cool. Because once you do an animated series and it does well, the first thing studios start thinking is, when can we bring this into live action and make it that much bigger of a property? Because if you look at the scope of things, one thing that happens is animation has its, has its draw and it has its appeal, but to get a much broader appeal, which they're going to want to do, and to make it much more real to people, which they're going to want to do, you end up taking it to live action. And once you take it to live action, it becomes this whole different beast. 
In fact, you saw that with the entirety of the MCU. You bring it to live action and suddenly, oh my gosh, it's a, it's a thing now. You see this with a lot of the Disney movies. I'm, I'm referring to the Disney princesses. You've seen it in cartoon form all this time, which are comparatively cheap to make. I think this one only costs, what, $80 million to make, something like that. And as I said earlier, brought in $120 million. So yeah, they, when they see numbers like that, they're like, okay, now, we can, now we're done having fun. We can take this into live action and spend a much bigger budget on it. So that would be a definite interesting play. And you know what? Back to the multiverse of madness and the whole multiversal aspect of it. This movie, better than any other movie I've ever seen, even, and you know, I'm not going to try to compare movies too much, but for me, this kind of really hit on that multiversal aspect where, yeah, you've got different characters jumping across different timelines, jumping across different universes, and you want to see what's playing out inside the other universe, and not just as a gag, but kind of as a, a reason for this whole universe to to be doing what it does you'd figure that if there was universal universal breaches and people hopping across the universe that would be an actual thing that someone's always thinking about and i like the way they did it in this movie where you have a character i think his name was hole i believe right just just hole i think that's what they ended up calling and remember i saw it i saw it kind of tired yesterday so i missed a lot of, i may have missed a lot of details but this character hole reopening the spider-verse and getting into the whole idea of you know, hey, any t any changes like this come with consequence, and some people just get caught up in it. And I use I'm using like swing and caught up in the web and all this. I'm using a lot of these little terms unintentionally. I don't I don't intend to make these puns or anything, but this is the way the movie flowed. It just had so many references, so many different ways of sticking to you that you just can't help but <laughs> you just can't help but construct these crazy webs of inferences, connections, Easter eggs, etc., etc. Let's see what else is going on in this movie. And the audience. I totally thought the audience was I the audience who's going to go see it. I don't know who's out there seeing this like this, but it seems to be a lot of families, a lot of younger people, and it's definitely hitting the audience it it was intended for. And coming with the new Spider-Man, you've got such an old classic property. I mean, there have been 10 live action versions of Spider-Man on the, on screen so far. And people are, I, I don't want to say done with it, but people have kind of seen enough of it. And Hollywood's not the type of place where you can really try anything new unless you come at it with a different angle. You, you really can't just say, hey, I have a very good solid story and we're just going to do the story. Hollywood's like, well, hey, give me some, you got to give me a new character. You got to give me some crazy version of the character. You got to do something out of the out of the box. Otherwise, they can't sell it. And this is what they tell you, right? They can't sell just a strong story. There needs to be a serious hook. So if you've ever had to write a pitch or a log line, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, hey, imagine, imagine Indiana Jones, but with an Asian Kung Fu master. And it's like, uh, okay. And you get, you get a start from there. Basically you have to have this idea, this pitch that gets people across. You can't just have a good story. So with the multiverse, there's good story wrapped into it. And nobody cared as much as I said earlier, just because it's animated. So going on, going on with these points I got here, the style and the vibe, I think is one of the most contentious things that people are talking about with across the Spider-Verse. 
and Into the Spider-Verse. At first, when I first saw Into the Spider-Verse, I saw the previews and I was I was kind of turned off because I got I got to tell you in the beginning I wasn't thinking that hey, we're going to need these different ways of showing all these characters, these different animations. And I thought it was just kind of artsy and messy. Growing up a, around a lot of artists, they will try things just for the sake of trying it. They'll start playing around with colors, with mediums, with different platforms, start playing around with ideas that don't necessarily make sense to any viewers, but they have a certain attraction to them. And when I saw what they were doing for Across the Spider, uh, Into the Spider-Verse, I initially wasn't turned on by it. So how did they get me? They got me because the core story worked. And once you get a core story working, everything on top of that worked. And one thing I just learned, I, I didn't catch this in the first in the first movie, but Miles Morales was, you know, he always had the cartoon comic book kind of vibe going on when they presented him. But his animation was at 12 frames per second. And until he hit his stride as becoming Spider-Man, Miles Morales, until he really made that leap off the building. You remember that where he leapt off the building and tore the tore the glass because he was still sticking to it? Until he kind of came into his own, he was running at 12 frames per second while the rest of the world was kind of doing its thing at a regular 24 frames per second. When he came into his own, he literally and figuratively became a smoother character and ran at 24 frames per second. That's the kind of artsy stuff I'm talking about where it seems weird. You're wondering what's going on, why they're doing this. But instead of just being artsy to be artsy, the Spider-Verse team has proven to proven that they know how to do this artfully and still be connected to reality, still connect to the people who are viewing. So for the style in this one, they took it to another level and across the Spider-Verse. The, the colors, the shadings, the different, it's, it's literally mood lighting in a lot of, in a lot of cases where you can really display characters mood and affection and trauma through a lot of the lighting and a lot of the artistic ways that the visuals are shown this is not something you get out of a normal movie so i would go see it for that alone and even if you don't like the story or don't like spider-man that much as far as a visual and artistic tour de force this thing is it so that style and vibe is there and it's definitely got a lot of the mix of the the hip-hop and the Asian, um, not Asian, I said Asian earlier. It's got a lot of the hip-hop and Hispanic vibes going on. You see a lot coming from both sides of his parents, the black side and the Hispanic side. And you're definitely representing New York, the city of a lot of people coming together. And let, let me get back to the core of Spider-Man, by the way, as a character. I think that's what I'll jump into next. No, I'll, I'll finish up with the settings, then I'll jump into the characters. So... So having this whole style across the movie and going into all these different looks of New York, you always catch the idea that it's very multicultural. Unless you've been in New York, you don't understand how multicultural it is or how multicultural a place can be until you see everybody working together. You see, uh, you know, let's see who I run into in New York, Haitians, Jamaicans, the old city Jews, the... Uh, the I don't want to say newer Jews. I'm totally forgive me if that's 
there's a there shouldn't be a distinction there, but you can see the different varieties of communities, even within a community. A lot of the Asian influence, Japanese, Chinese is definitely there. New York's Chinatown is something to marvel at. You've got the Puerto Rican and Cuban influences there. You've got Dominicans there. Definitely, as I said, Haitians, Jamaicans, Black Americans there. It's definitely a melting pot. You've got Irish areas of town, Germans, and they're all like New York. But there's this over overriding vibe of this is New York, right? Gypsy Love, what's happening? Good to see you in the chat. So there's this, it's just a mixing pot. I don't, I don't know. How many of you have been to New York? Let me know in the comments if you've been to New York and you can attest to what I'm saying because it's a crazy mix, mix up or mashup of all these different ideas and ideologies, thoughts, cultures, and it all manages to run together very, very like just flawlessly. I don't even know how to explain it. It's just the city operates, the city moves, the city has its heartbeat. If anybody talks about, well, diversity isn't all that great. You need to spend time in New York and understand what diversity really is. I don't know of any other place in the world that's like it. But as I was saying, it relates to the Spider-Verse because within this idea of a superhero, and we'll get into the characters in a little bit now, within this idea of a superhero, you've got what I call the, their, their core plot, right? Where a character's got this core essence to them. And they actually went through and expressed this in the movie. And this is how people relate to heroes. And this is why a lot of people relate to Spider-Man. They understand the, the loss or it may not have been a death, but somebody close to you goes away and you're in a situation where you feel alone, you feel orphaned, you feel out of touch with everybody. And you may be smart, you may be intelligent, you may be witty, you may be nice, but you're still kind of on the outskirts. In fact, if you want to look at the, the way Spider-Man was constructed, he was always seen as a pest. No matter how much good he did, he was always kind of seen as a pest from his classmates to his teachers for the most part to, I mean, there were science teachers that enjoyed him, but he was still always seen as a pest to the city, to J. Jonah Jameson. He had this vibe going about him that was kind of like an outcast. And this is perfect. This is perfect superhero stock right here, where you've got somebody young, doesn't understand the world. They're trying to figure things out and they've got to deal with people that don't understand you, don't like you, think you're different. And so how can we push that point even further? And, oh, Zoo, Zoo was raised around Zoo York, huh? I like that. Off in the New Jersey area. I went, to, I went to New Jersey once, and the first thing I saw was a, I went to a, a mall, and I saw a New Jersey shop in the mall, and I saw this shirt that said, New Jersey, where bad things happen to good people. And I laughed kind of uncomfortably. I was like, wow. That is an interesting thing to say on a t-shirt, uh, New Jersey, a place where bad things happen to good people. But I totally dug the vibe there. I was actually there for Kevin Smith's prom, which is a whole other story I can tell one day. But yeah, Kevin Smith missed his prom when he was, when he was younger. So he had a new prom and I knew some people and got to go to this little intimate gathering of his prom and it was 80s themed and everything. It was really weird and bizarre, but totally fun. And that was my... That was my whole connection to New Jersey, uh, Red Bank, actually, Red Bank in New Jersey. 
So yeah, the uh, the way they showed this core plot for Spider-Man, you know, somebody who takes on this responsibility, even though they're young, even though they're untrained, they've got the smarts, they've got the wits. And even though they're seen as a pest, they're going to go through and make it happen anyway. They're going to push forward and not just avenge anybody because revenge and revenge is something that you're, I don't want to say it's part of Spider-Man's ethos. I think he was just trying to find justice, not necessarily enact justice, if that makes any sense. So he wants to do what's right. And he's pushed by this, by this idea, this concept. And you only see that in Spider-Man for the most part. And then you see it in Miles Morales for the most part. But now when you're starting to see how this plays out in terms of Spider-Woman, the Gwen Stacy spider you get to see it in all these other spider people, all the losses that they've encountered. It makes you realize that that core plot is still very much part of what makes Spider-Man work. And it's what makes all these different characters work. And what's even great about this one, you know, cause you had the miles, Gwen, the 2099, even whole to a certain extent where he was seen as kind of an outcast and kind of messed himself up. Punk, punk Spider-Man. Actually, throw in, you know, if you have a favorite, if you have one of the favorite spider, spider people that you saw in there, throw it in the comments. I actually want to see some of your favorites, whether it was the Lego Spider-Man, Cat Spider. Uh, let me know. I thought those, I thought they had a lot of interesting ones in there. But, uh, but yeah, the different spider people still being from all these different diverse backgrounds from these diverse places they still carry this common thread of being orphaned in a sense and left to find justice and they can't get away from having to find justice or having this need this desire to find justice not necessarily enact justice but just find justice try to make things right try to make things a little better and maybe not on the world scale but you, you see this as Spider-Man's dilemma where he's looking out for the everyday person. He's not trying to go literally save the world. He's just trying to clean it up as he goes along. And this is even one of the things where he kind of starts forsaking his family for it. And the way it was told was just brilliant because it's a story that gets told on many different planes and many people can relate to it. And this is why Spider-Man is one of the classic superheroes. I mean, who do, you, who do you have up there that has this classic core plot that everybody can relate to? You've only got a few. Spider-Man, I mean, Wolverine is cool, but how many people sit around relating to Wolverine? That's what I'm getting at. Spider-Man, Batman, Superman. I don't think The Flash was ever properly explored in that respect. Maybe this new movie will do that. If you've got a... If you've got a superhero that has a core plot that you really get into, let me know in the comments and be sure to throw a like down or whatever. We'll, we'll definitely appreciate that here. And yeah, Spider-Man, Batman, and Superman. Those are the three that always jump into mind as these classic, classic superheroes that everybody can relate to. And you kind of can't fail with their, with their core plots. And yes, a lot of these characters are orphaned in a sense. And there's a reason that that works for people because people feel alone. People feel they need to connect with somebody. And when you're alone, it's easy to connect with somebody else who's alone and relate to characters like Spider-Man and Batman and Superman.
one of the things I like about AMP here. So if you don't know what I'm, what I do is I, I'm a podcaster and the former video game developer. And for the past couple of years, I've been just podcasting, seeing what's out in these social media streets, making, making different little things happen, doing some events, doing some, doing some projects behind the scenes, but I'm starting to do much more of a social media push now. And part of that is really getting my podcast, my voice out there. So instead of talking to people in boardrooms and things, I'm going to talk to the people a little more often. So that's what I'm doing right now. And yeah, AMP came around and I decided to try it out, some good stuff. So that if you're not following already, be sure that you head on over to AMP. I got the link in the bio. You can always find all my links at mrbenja.com. And go ahead and throw a follow in there, throw a like, and let me know what you're thinking. Now, what I should do more of, what I should do less of, it may not matter because I may not listen to you, but I do want to hear your feedback. And just being real, that's how development goes a lot of times. Artists and developers will listen to everybody and try to get a vibe of what's going on. But to be a true artist, to be a true artist, you really got to follow your own heart. And hopefully that's some collaboration between what's on your mind and what's on the people's minds. And the reason I mention that is because I think that's definitely appropriate for Across the Spider-Verse. Because not just in, a, in an orphaned person kind of sense, one of the meta discussions that they were having in Across the Spider-Verse was this discussion about art and creativity and being able to develop within the Hollywood system or a large corporate system. I don't know if any of you felt that, but the way they were coloring out the lines, kind of literally and figuratively, it goes to show you that this kind of thought process is definitely on people's minds in Hollywood and in the animation industry. So you coming out and making this type of film where you're an anomaly is definitely definitely appropriate for this time and really really caught me i will i will be going back to see this again if you've seen it multiple times let me know how it comes through on the second time around what if you caught any easter eggs or any spoilers let me know gypsy love haven't seen the movie yet but enjoying your show and don't mind spoilers i like the spider-man song nice voice thank you very much yeah so we don't we're not getting heavy into spoiler territory but if something comes up spoilers are on I don't think that the movie really suffers from the problem of a serious big level twist. There may be there may be one big level twist in there, but for the most part, it's a relatively straightforward movie. Like when someone says, "Hey, we're gonna go eat sandwiches," and it's like, "Okay, it's just a sandwich. You're you're just gonna get what you get." But when you taste it, you're like, "Oh my God, this is properly toasted with the right amount of butter on the bread. It has the you know." guacamole and the I mean the avocado and the BLT I, I'm just loving it just like it's like crazy by the way that was a California reference if you're not out in California they have they they don't they, they couldn't just do the BLT out here they call it they do the BLTA some people call it the blatop some people call it the blat some people call it the bolt or a BLT avocado BLT or whatever but the, the BLTs out here have avocado in them so that's why I was saying guacamole don't at me saying it shouldn't have guacamole or avocado in a BLT. If you got something to say, take it up with the Food and Drug Administration of California because they they promote the blot, the blot. <laughs> All right. So where was I? 
Oh yeah, so the anomaly. Now we were talking about how Spider-Man, the character itself, is an anomaly. But where do you go after that, right? We're talking about another meta discussion here. Where do you go after this idea of, well, hey, Spider-Man was orphaned and you know, he, he was all alone. But next thing you know, he's part of the Avengers. Next thing you know, he's rocking with the West Coast Avengers. For those of you who read the comics, he's, he's all over the place. He's having tangles with, with, with Wolverine and the X-Men. He's over there with Alpha Flight. I think Spider-Man may be the most, at least as far as Marvel's concerned, the most across comic book jumping hero that you've ever seen. There's like every comic book that came out, you would see Spider-Man showing up in all these comics. Spider-Man and Alpha Flight, Spider-Man and the Punisher, Spider-Man and the X-Men, Spider-Man and Wolverine, Spider-Man and the Silver Surfer. And no matter where you went, Spider-Man was popping up and nobody ever got tired of him. And that's a part of the Spider-Man mythos that people seem to forget that this character, of course, he's an orphan and of course he's done all these things, but even in this new era, in this new age, he's gotten to a point where everybody knows who he is. Now we're talking about a meta discussion here. So this is a discussion on top of the previous discussion. So now we've gotten to a point where everybody's familiar with Spider-Man. People have seen all the different variations, Tom Garfield, they've seen the old animated show from the from the seventies or whatever. Or was it the sixties? It was a long ass time ago. But now you've got this the Spider-Man concept in everyone's head. And you've gotten to, and just like in real life, when something's new and different, over time it gets to be in everyone's head and it's not new and different anymore. It's mainstream. This is where I think the movie takes a a good turn. And you can even see this in into the Spider-Verse. And if you haven't seen Across the Spider-Verse yet, it will definitely give you the vibes of, you should actually look for this, this overarching story, right? Where even within all of the different spider people, spider persons, you have somebody who's different. And it's funny, like people think to be different, you need like a third a third eye coming out of your head or you need to have octopus arms or something crazy. If you ever go to one of these marketing discussions, they'll say, all right, what makes this Spider-Man different is, you know, is it this or that or, and yeah, okay, that works. You can just throw a random demographic at the character, th throw a random physical quirk or whatever. Oh, by the way, I really did like the, the, the physically challenged spider person. That was pretty slick. I did not expect that. Thought it was very cool. I'm not sure that's actually comic canon, but if there's a if there's a physically challenged spider uh, person out there rocking some crazy technology like Professor X or whatever or Doctor Octopus, that's a, that that was cool. I, I dug that. Yeah. So hella Californian. Oh, I don't believe you said hella like that. Props to Zoo for that one. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I started saying hella on accident. My family from New Orleans wondered what was going on. They thought I should be sent back to, they thought I should be sent back to the, the beach for a while. Like, you get out of here. You're you're done. You're saying hella. So I'm like, all right, y'all are hella, y'all are hella petty for that one. But yeah, so now you've got this character, and everybody, everybody in the multiverse, all these different Spider people are telling him, no, no, no. This is what you're supposed to be like. 
So even in a marginalized community or in a, in a, in a certain, in a particular group that everyone thinks they're, everyone thinks they're like special in their own way or, you, you know, you, you've all been through high school. If you're a part of a, part of an outcast group or a separate group, you're like, yeah, we're all the outcast. All the outcasts behave like this. Like even within that, when you're talking about being weird and being different, you're talking about somebody who, not the superficial stuff like your hair color or, or what clothes you wear, or maybe even your, your accent or where you're from. That's the, to me, that's superficial. You can have people with different accents end up being the captain of the football team and they're still mainstream. I'm talking about the decisions you make when you get down to the core of your character, enabling yourself to be different, to follow your own passion in your own heart. That is, that is the essence of being a superhero. And that is the essence of being an artist. And when you watch this movie again or you watch it for the first time, look for that connection between we're going to do our own thing. We're going to make our own decisions. Even with this world that's become so over, overly connected. And if you didn't catch the connection between how we're connecting to our computers, how we're connecting to our cell phones and how we're connecting on the Internet. Even if you didn't catch that connection. You got to realize that the artists and the developers baked it into this story where now we're connecting in message groups and we're, we're huddling together and we're saying, Hey, this is, this is how we are. This is how we do things. And within these groups, within these communities, you'll start to find that people are very rigid in how they operate and they really don't want you to break out of that. Like I, if you say something, especially in politics or anything that's dealing with any type of policy. You say, well, actually, I think this way. I think the Republicans are right in this case, or I think they do things. It's like, what? How dare you? We're libertarians over here. We don't speak like that. And it's like, ah, okay. It's just a point of view, dog. It's like, you'll see, you'll see this happen all the time where people will try to put you in these rigid boxes. And if you don't fit, they will... They will try to bang out the extremities so you fit. What's that? What's that saying that they have in 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 Japanese culture? And shout out to the Japanese. I have nothing against the culture at all. I just thought it was an interesting phrase that I heard from one of the from one, from a young Japanese person who said, um, "The nail that sticks out gets hammered down." And I was like, "Wow, that's that's a strong cultural influence there." And I. I see that in certain ways in, in the black community where, you know, it's like, if you're doing hip hop or you're doing something, people don't mind you going outside the box, but you better not be whack. And they will, they will put a lot of pressure on you to, to do things in a way that's, that's what they expect or that's really freaking good. I don't know why I'm saying freaking, uh, I, I, I curse a lot. You know what? That's why I said that. Oh, oh my gosh. This, this is just a meta moment that just happened. I said freaking instead of, instead of fuck. I said freaking because on Instagram, they've been cracking down on language. So you put lang you put foul language in your, in your post, in your comments or in your, in your lives or whatever. And you won't, I, I've tested it out. You won't get as many likes. Your reach is a little lower. 
So I've started cleaning up my language over there. And it's kind of like part of being in that environment. You're like, you're, you're pressured to behave a certain way. And that, I mean, that's fine. It's their platform. I'm not knocking it. But I'm just noticing that, wow, you start to behave in certain ways that may not be what you want. So now I'm over here on AMP and I'm recording live and I say freaking. I don't even say freaking. It's like, that's, I don't know. I don't know where that came from, but that was very interesting that happened. But yeah, so conformity. And it's hard to get away from right now because we've got so much information. We're hypersensitized. And you can go back to many examples. In fact, you are probably doing it in ways you don't know. You're probably triggered in ways that you don't know. So when, you, when, I, when I was watching people in the movie, Across the Spider-Verse, when I was watching people having different reactions to to what they you know what they were going through and what they were seeing it's like hey this has got to be this way if it's not this way it's it's messed up and i'm like hey man we have a we have a cat, spider cat over there what do you mean not this way and it's just kind of this the differences are looking at you and you're expecting everybody to behave the same even though everybody's clearly different and people don't like when i talk like this i, I get a lot of flack from this from my left-wing friends my for some reason my my friends on the right side of things on the right side of the political spectrum seem to get this a little better which is weird but on the left side of things on the more progressive progressive left-wing democratic whatever you want to call it side of things you being different and bringing that up people will get very upset where it's like hey um i don't see things the same way as you no 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 this is how we see things. It's, a, you know, you know, don't, you know, you don't have to call yourself black. You're just a person. I'm like, yeah, I know, but I'm black. It's like, no, 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 you're just a person. I'm like, uh, all right, well, okay. Well, I'm from Florida. It's like, hey, it doesn't matter where you're from. Like, dog, nothing is wrong with Florida. I'm just saying that's where I'm from. And no, 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 we're, we're all from different places. It's okay. It's this very weird, weird vibe. So I'm not saying that the, the intent or the sentiment is bad. What I'm saying is you all you can fall into a trap of conformity that causes issues. And you can go back in history and see this played out. I'm not about to give history lessons here, but conformity causes problems. In fact, Gypsy Love, you said that you were Gypsy Love, you said that you saw the first you saw the first Spider Spider-Verse movie into the Spider-Verse. Let me know what you thought of that and if you're interested in seeing this next one, because because this got me thinking all kinds of different thoughts. And it's, it's one of those sequels that actually surpasses the first, like a Terminator 1, Terminator 2, you know, it actually surpassed the first one. And not by being, being so much better, but just by really adding on and, and perfecting that message that they had. So let me know what you think. And Iman31, glad to have you here. Thanks for popping through. Says, in these amp streets, giving hearts and claps. Thanks for the support. Definitely love that. But yeah, so what's my solution? And this is a concept that I've had for a while that I see, that I saw presented in Across the Spider-Verse. That is, celebrate the differences. I mean, acting like we're all identical, we're all paper cutouts of the same something, I think that's disingenuous. But nowadays, people are very uncomfortable speaking about differences because they assume any speaking or any discussion of difference means 
that you're talking down on somebody, that you're trying to turn somebody into an other. And there are dangers there, but I want somebody to be happy in their skin and I want them to be happy with me being happy in my skin, if that makes any sense. So I found it in my personal journey to be much more accepting of people's differences, not by hiding them or acting like they don't exist, which seems to be the current vibe, but by celebrating our differences and being curious about other people's differences and cultures. Like if I come to somebody and say, hey, you are, you know, I'm a black man in California. If I say, hey, you are a, a Puerto Rican woman in New York. What's your experience with this? I'm, I don't ask it like that, but I want to know their experience and I want to know their experience because I know they had a different experience than I had. I grew up in North Florida, South Georgia. They may have grown up in a completely different country. I want to know what that experience was like. I want to know what the vibe was. So I think just by, just by not only experiencing a different culture and this, this idea of sampling something different, that, that, that almost seems patronizing to me. You know, just, I don't, I don't want to like put on a, a costume and go quote unquote, celebrate somebody else's culture. No, I, I want to see what you're about. I want to learn about you. I want to. I want to understand your experience. Cinco de Mayo comes around. I don't want to just put on a sombrero and dance around the street like some jackass. That's costume level. I want to know about your perspective, your point of view, where you're coming from. If you're talking about, oh boy, here we go with the meta talk. If you talk about the concept of a metaverse, the idea of metaverse is not a virtual reality system. The idea is that there is the universe that we currently live in, that we experience and we understand and everybody's talking. And on top of that, we're slowly building this other universe, this other realm that exists solely online. And this isn't just like one place. This isn't a metaverse where I'm talking about going into a virtual reality space, I'm talking about this concept of outside of the physical world, suddenly I'm connecting to people on AMP that I've never talked to before. Suddenly I'm having discussions with people in New Jersey. Suddenly I'm having discussions about the California Blata. Suddenly I'm, I'm interfacing with some Russian kid on Instagram. And I'm like, hey, I like your art. He, he's like, I like art too. And he's not speaking very good English on Instagram, but I'm like, holy crap, this kid's from Russia and he's banging out all this crazy art. I love it. Like, I don't just want to sample as if I was at Disney Epcot Center or whatever and think, oh, that's cute. Oh, that's a costume. No, no I want to understand these people's lives. And this is the kind of thoughts I started having coming out of across the, across the Spider-Verse. These ideas of we're so connected, we're so accessible to each other, yet we all can feel alone still. We can all have our own perspective. But within that feeling alone, we can be vulnerable and connect with each other in, in very important and very crucial ways. Gypsy Love, if you're going to see the new one this weekend, I definitely want to know your thoughts. So be sure to 
either pop a comment on the YouTube channel or stop by again in one of my other shows. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep doing these shows and see how they go. You know what? Spider-Verse was good stuff, man. Across the Spider-Verse was good. Definitely had a lot of themes, a lot of novelty. I'll really have to go back in and break this down. I may actually write a blog post on this one going through just all the different points and Easter eggs and, and connections. I think a lot was said here and there's a lot still still going on. The The fan service was good. The pacing was great. Um, but you know what? Oh, here's that's the interesting thing I meant to mention before. Not that this is a knock against the show or the movie, but it was strange when this finished and the to be continued showed up on on screen. I realized something. I was like, wait a minute. Did they think about doing this as a series, a streaming series? Because the pacing and the setup and like the length of the the different arcs and the different chapters, I'm going to call them chapters, right? Because it just felt like every little chapter had a, a neat little bookend. And maybe this was because, of, because they were planning it out like a comic book. I, I know that they were doing that. If you have a comic book, you have a certain number of issues where you put out every issue and every issue is kind of its own little contained leg of the story. And then the entire story is told in this huge arc. And after it finishes, you get a graphic novel, etc. But it actually felt like a streaming series in terms of setup. And I wonder if that kind of cheapened it a little for me, but enhanced it in some ways. I don't know. I don't know if anybody else caught that feeling when they watched it. The way it felt like a series of comic books. And I really got that feeling, of course, when the To Be Continued ran up. I was like, you know what? They just pulled the old comic book style cliffhanger. And wait a minute. Was this thing set up like a series of comics? Because if they did, that was, that's, that's well structured for a streaming show. And that's bizarre. I come from these 90 to 120 minute formulaic, not, not in a bad way, but I come from an era of the 90 to 120 minute formulaic movies. And I'm used to seeing films presented in a certain way where you had the certain three act structure and some, some films do it well. Some films don't do it so well. Some films do it better than others, but it's a way of storytelling. And I'm wondering if to connect with audiences now, they did a, they did a protracted version of how streaming shows are laid out. If that makes any sense, because if you take a streaming show, that's what 10 episodes. And each of them are maybe a half hour and you have, and you, you know, this is for the first part. So if there are two parts, then that means you're only dealing with five episodes of the series where you have the first five episodes and then the later five episodes, you could chop that up into half hour chunks almost and end up with a two and a half hour movie across the spider verse was two hours and 16 minutes. Do you see what I'm getting at? It just felt like. For anybody who's really been invested in the current way of consuming media, which has been these streaming shows, it seems like this movie was broken up into these types of chapters, almost five of them. You have your introductory recap, then you have your getting into the action, then you have your 
with your main conflict and character is lost and trying to figure his way around, then you start trailing off into the fourth part of it. And this is the, this is the basic three act structure explained in five sections. And then you, then you start with the major conflict toward the, four, the fourth part of it. And then in the fifth part, you have your conclusion and your wrap up. But because we're dealing with a two part movie, the wrap up is really just a springboard into the next section. I almost guarantee that this was thought about as a series of comics and it was highly, highly influenced by the nature of streaming shows right now, which is interesting. And the reason I mentioned my connection to these 90 and 120 minute movies from earlier on in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s is because that was all before streaming came along. And when streaming came along, you were able to binge and have people understand that, hey, you could tell these, this 10 ori arc, this 10, 10 episode arc, this eight episode arc, this 12 episode arc. If you binge and watch that all at one time, that's almost a format in itself. Very interesting. So really dug that like the, that was the one other thing that I wanted to mention in there. So I could go on and on, talk about the fan service, talk about how it was comprehended, but I want to hear from you. So be sure if you're on YouTube, jump in the comments. If you're just on the podcast streams, make sure you hit me up on Instagram or social media and let me know what you thought about it because I had fun with this one. And I don't just mean this movie. I mean, this session I have on amp here, I got into this. I'm digging it. I like the format. I'm going to keep trying out new things. I'm going to upgrade my equipment here specifically for amp. So it'll play out a little differently than Instagram live With Instagram live. I have to worry about cameras with this. I can do a little something different and a little cleaner, I suppose. So with that, be sure that you like, follow and subscribe and be sure to check me out at mrbenja.com. As always, we love you. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Keep building, keep creating, follow your own path and be that anomaly. If that's what you have to be. Thanks everybody. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining me on this podcast. You all make everything I do possible, and I really do appreciate it. So even if you've got me on social, please visit mrbinja.com and see what's happening and how deep the rabbit hole goes. All right, I'll see you next time. Peace.